of Reason. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Age of Reason, Part the First, being an investigation of true and fabulous theology by Thomas Paine. London, printed and published by R. Carlyle, 55 Fleet Street, 1819. The Age of Reason, Part the First. It has been my intention for several years past to publish my thoughts upon religion. I am well aware of the difficulties that attend the subject, and from the consideration had reserved it to a more advanced period of life. I intended it to be the last offering I should make to my fellow citizens of all nations, and that at a time when the purity of the motive that induced me to do it could not admit of a question, even by those who might disapprove the work. The circumstance that has now taken place in France of the total abolition of the whole national order of priesthood and of everything appertaining to compulsive systems of religion and compulsive articles of faith has not only precipitated my intention, but rendered a work of this kind exceedingly necessary, lest, in the general wreck of superstition, of false systems of government, and false theology, we lose sight of morality, of humanity, and of the theology that is true. Hey, does it? Yeah, that's pretty good so far. It's kind of interesting. It's kind of like the the paradox of, you know, you could look at, you could really use the Bible and you can use it. So, for instance, like when the, and I don't like to use the word like Europeans or Native Americans or whatever, but when when the Europeans went to went to America, you know, the Europeans had the Industrial Revolution. I don't know what kind of what, what kind of effect that had on their mental or the Agricultural Revolution on their like mental, you know under viewpoints and stuff maybe a lot of trauma i don't know what happened but you know when, when they when they went when they went there they, they they you know they were saying yeah the adam and eve myth is literal or you know jesus story is literal and stuff and you guys have a different story and you guys have to believe our story now it might have been true that also some native americans had like literal viewpoints and stuff but all i know is that i heard i heard and this could be propaganda i don't know what i heard that one of the native american groups was like how about we believe your story and you believe our story and they're both, you know, it's it's not a big deal. Like, any thoughts of that? Well, see, that reminds me of, of what um, that book that you recommended of um, Vishnu yeah. or, or um, Krishna. Um, what what that is, what he was saying in there is that reality is, is manifest in a, in a manner that can uh, um, be discerned at whatever level you approach it. It can be seen as solid, separate, stationary objects, or it can be seen as a transcendent reality, depending upon the eyes with which you look at it. And everyone is everyone is accurate, depending upon the eyes with which you view it. Yeah, but the way that I see it with the quadrant model is, you know, the the reason why there's the the debates and the changes and stuff is, you know, I, I tried to make it like an irrational, like, well, maybe the Europeans, are, but really it's all the quadrant. The reason why there had to be the, the, the killing and stuff is, it, as you said, it's all determined or you, you, you suggested it could be just all determined because the, the water has to blow out the fire and the, and the quote unquote native Amerindians were, were the fire and water was the Europeans and for whatever reason, we can make any explanations we want, but it's just a quadrant playing itself out. And, you know, the four world religions, you know, any thoughts? No. But, but at the I, same time, at the same time though, yeah, so, so it's like, but, but if, if you want to have like a higher consciousness, you'd be like, yeah. Or, or like a transpersonal consciousness, you'd be like, okay. Yeah, why not just believe both are true? And then you would say, well, the transpersonal perspective is, well, both are, it's not that both are true, it's that both are pointing to a higher truth. You know, the, the story of Genesis points to the flow. Your story also points to the flow. And and that's that's the transcendence of the ego body to, to true intuition, inspiration, truth consciousness, uh, to, to, and and uh, the most valid truth orientation. Any thoughts? Yeah, yeah, that's the way I see it. But the way that I see it too is that the reason why people adopt different viewpoints and stuff is because that's a part of the truth. Part of the truth is that we're in the quadrant matrix. You know. But any thoughts on it? So so but but anyways, what I was gonna get at though is that yeah, so so then but then but then yeah, what you would say is that like, yeah, 
it's kind of ironic because you know like the 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 fundamental or you know the, the europeans who took the stuff literally if they were to actually understand their their mythology it would have pointed them to not killing you know the the amerindians or or even vice versa if the amerindians were killing back i don't know but you know that that's what the the, the conservatives will say oh they're killing back and they would kind of blame the victim now in that case i don't know if, if that's true but at the same time there, there, there it might have been that the agriculturalists were more evil and maybe the bible even suggests that maybe the agriculturalists did have kind of an evil orientation and stuff and maybe they were kind of the bad guys and and, and you saw that in, like in jerry diamond's book he talks about the agriculturalists not just the europeans but the, even like the more the maori and there was another you know put polynesian group that became agriculturalists before them and they you know wiped them out and you even see that with the with the Tutu and the the Hootsie or whatever the agriculturalists in Darfur they killed the nomads. Like any thoughts? Yeah. But but the, but the thing is like and maybe they are a little bit more evil and stuff and maybe they did have more primitive mindset that might have been facilitated by the agricultural stuff. I don't know. But you know in, in that case like is it, is it blaming the victim? We it, like I, it, it's probably not best to do that and I think it's pretty clear that. They, that, the, that the Europeans had kind of a primitive consciousness and uh, and were, you know, pretty uh, vicious. And, uh, but anyways, but yeah, so, so but, but my point is that it seems like, yeah, so what Thomas Paine is saying, like, okay, let's transcend these ideas of, so what I would say would be like transcend the ideas of, okay, the Bible says the capital punishment. See, it says right there. But then what the problem is the liberals be like, yeah, the Bible's evil. The Bible's evil. It does that. But then, but then what, 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 what I kind of did was I studied and studied and studied and I started to recognize, wait, that story is a metaphor and it's not telling you to kill the person who blasphemes God, but it's actually a story about not marginalizing a person to the point where he would blaspheme God and then you kill him. And, and that's the, the identified patient, and that's what society – and actually, if you really look deeply, the, the story is about you know, transcending blaming the victim and, and harming people and mistreating people. And if anything, it would be indicate if you want to implement policies in your society, you know, transcending capital punishment. You know, any thoughts? No, that's good. As several of my colleagues and others of my fellow citizens of France have given me the example of making their voluntary and individual profession of faith, I also will make mine, and I do this with all that sincerity and frankness with which the mind of man communicates with itself. I believe in one God and no more, and I hope for happiness beyond this life. I believe the equality of man, and I believe that religious duties consist in doing justice, loving mercy, and endeavoring to make our fellow creatures happy. But, lest it should be supposed that I believe in many other things in addition to these, I shall, in the progress of this work, declare the things I do not believe, and my reasons for not believing them. I do not believe in the creed professed by the Jewish Church, by the Roman Church, by the Greek Church, by the Turkish Church, by the Protestant Church, nor by any church that I know of. My own mind is my own church. All national institutions of churches, whether Jewish, Christian, or Turkish, appear to me no other than human inventions, set up to terrify and enslave mankind, and monopolize power and profit. I do not mean by this declaration to condemn those who believe otherwise. They have the same right to their belief as I have to mine. But it is necessary to the happiness of man that he be mentally faithful to himself. It does. No. Infidelity does not consist in believing or in disbelieving. It consists in professing to believe. But but it's still like I do like the idea though that you know. But then the people say, okay, well it's all metaphorical and stuff. But then I also like the people who take it literal. I actually do, even though they're they're because you know why I I understand why they might do it. Why why is a fundamentalist you know Christian white supremacist or whatever? Well, because he's he's afraid of of the of the. I mean, this is blaming the victim again, and we don't want to justify it. But he's afraid of the left wingers who he thinks want to kill kill white people. You know what I mean? And so he's adopting these fundamentalist beliefs, and he's saying, "Screw you guys." You know, I see what's going on. 
and you, you see what I'm, but this is because this would be blaming the victim and stuff but but you know I, so, and then also I, I recognize okay there's the orthodox jews and then there's the reform and then there's the uh reconstructionists and then there's the um well there's four of them and it's in and one of them takes things literally and that's just the quadrant manifesting itself in reality any thoughts see i don't see it as a quadrant manifests itself in reality i just see it as you see it with the eyes with which you are looking and if you're looking from an an objective point of view that then you'll see objects well, what's clear is that the quadrant is manifesting itself in reality and even like the, the hindu different religions and, and the, it's always expressing itself in 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 the fours and the quadrant patterns and stuff so there is some sort of metaphysical thing yeah. going on yeah yeah man I'm, I'm not. I'm not just saying that, just jokingly. Just, just, just a second. Let go me ahead, finish what I'm saying. Yeah. I already. I, I. I totally concur that existence manifests itself in quadrant patterns. That's that's beyond quadrant. a shadow of a doubt. Solely, dominantly, in a metaphysical, supernatural yeah, way. But keep going. To totally. That's that's what I'm saying. I've always believed that. No. Any thoughts on that? What? Any thoughts on that? Did you say no? I didn't believe yeah, that. Yeah, no, you didn't at first when I when I showed you stuff. I you don't don't try to pretend like you did. But any thoughts on that? No, I I just. Who the hell do you think you are that you know what I thought? It's okay. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it does. It, yeah, it does. It matters to me. Okay, if, well, if fine. you totally discount, I'm not interested. Okay, it doesn't matter if you believe if you're going to, it. If you're, going to impose, if you're going to impose your interpretations on me, I'm not going to waste my time. Okay, no, no. If, if you want to believe that, that's fine. But do you have to make me believe that? No, I might you not don't have to believe it. Okay. Then that's fine. You don't have to believe it. I, I'm just saying it's not true. Okay, that's fine then. Let's just move on. From well, then, that don't discount. Don't dis don't try to prove that I didn't think that. Are you trying to prove that uh, we don't need a we don't need a fight? There's no point in it. But all I'm saying is this. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So okay, whatever that that aspect. But what you would say is that okay, the you know the the people who are fundamentalists and stuff, you know, they're, they're wrong. But at the same time, we don't know. Maybe the fundamentalist is right. And we're in the, we are in the in the quadrant no, matrix. We're, we're in the dream matrix. So no, I know, I know, and you know that too. You know that too. So, I did not say that the fundamentalists are wrong. No, I know, I know. I'm telling you that that's the way that's the way they articulate what they see. So all I'm they saying is this: to see only fundamentalist point of view. Yeah. So so what I'm what I'm saying is, that, and they might have just agendas, and the reason why they do is they might have agendas, and it might be ego, you know, trying to justify walls and stuff like that. But at the same time, maybe they are right. And you even admit that, you know, we don't know. So all I'm saying is this, is that... Yeah, I'm saying they're right. No, no, I'm yeah, saying yeah. they're right. So, no, uh, okay. right. No, what, what I'm saying is this. Contradictions are cool. I like it. I like it that there, there's some people that, that it can be both literal and not literal at the same time. Because in a, in a, in a dream matrix, it doesn't matter. And, and, and both, both are true, and that's, that's great. Because... The future is a dream. In the, 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 in, in, in the matrix. Don't say dream. Take out dreams. In the matrix. The future. You said, you said, no, you said dream matrix. Okay, in the matrix. Take out the dream. In the matrix. In, in the so matrix. dream matrix? No, I said, no, take out the dream. Take out the dream in the matrix. I said, I said, is, I said, is it a dream matrix? No, it's a, it's a matrix. That. Take out well, the dream. Then why do you keep saying the dream matrix? Because it sounds nicer. So in the matrix, the future can affect the past. So if you believe that the thing happened literally, right now, the you know they talk about the quantum entanglements in the present can actually affect what happened in the past. Because all the things are quantumly entangled. But at the same time. That's even a metaphor. The, the idea that these things are even happening, that there is particles, that's even a metaphor. 
in the holo, you know, they talk about the holographic matrix and stuff. Anyways, there's so many, even that's a metaphor. I'd see it all as, as like, is like, you know, some, some, you know, maybe the mind of God or whatever. What I'm saying is this, if the person believes it, what happened in the past, what happened in the past hasn't necessarily happened yet. That's crazy to think. How is that possible? But, you know, but all I'm getting at is this. I like the idea that there's contradictions that, that the, that the fundamentalists believe in his thing and this person, because it, it, that enriches the whole, the whole system that enriches the whole environment. Cause now I can go to the fundamentalists and maybe I can get some, glean something from, from his point of view, from his traditions that he's holding on to. And, and, and that would be just a pragmatic aspect, but what I get doesn't even really necessarily even matter in the matrix. The matrix is just matrixing. In, in, in the quadrant. Any thoughts? Yeah. See, I don't see them as contradictions. I see them as two different manifestations of the eyes with which you're looking at reality. Hmm. Any other? No. It does not equal truth. It is impossible to calculate moral mischief, if I may so express it, that mental lying has produced in society. When a man has so far corrupted and prostituted the chastity of his mind as to subscribe his professional belief to things he does not believe, he has prepared himself for the commission of every other crime. He takes up the trade of a priest for the sake of gain, and in order to qualify himself for that trade, he begins with a perjury. Can we conceive anything more destructive to morality than this? Soon after I had published the pamphlet, Common Sense, in America, I saw the exceeding probability that a revolution in the system of government would be followed by a revolution in the system of religion. The adulterous connection of church and state, wherever it had taken place, whether Jewish, Christian, or Turkish, was so effectually prohibited by pains and penalties from every discussion upon established creeds or upon first principles of religion, that until the system of government should be changed, those subjects could not fairly and openly before the world. But that whenever this should be done, a revolution in the system of religion would follow. Human inventions and priestcraft would be detected. It does it? No. And man would return to the pure, unmixed, and unadulterated belief of one God and no more. Every national church or religion has established itself by pretending some special mission from God communicated to certain individuals. The Jews have their Moses. The Christians, their Jesus Christ, their apostles and saints. The Turks, their Muhammad, as if the way to God was not open to every man alike. Each of those churches show certain books, which they call Revelation, or the Word of God. The Jews say that their Word of God was given by God to Moses, face to face. The Christians say that their Word of God... Hold on, someone's calling me, girl. Let me see again. Hey, what's up, Roger? Hey, bro. What's happening, man? How you doing, man? Um, I'm, ta I'm talking to my grandpa right now, but do you, you want to meet up for church or something today? If you look out your, outside your, if you look outside your window, I'm, I'm peeking in. No, I'm just kidding, though. No. <laughs> uh, are you talking to Gramps right now? Yeah. Uh, how's he doing, okay? Yeah. Hey, Grandpa, you want to say hi to Roger? Hey, Roger. What's up? How you doing, sir? I'm doing great. Good, good. It's nice and yeah, sunny here in the area. What, what was that? I say it's nice and sunny here finally. Looks like spring is coming. Oh, nice. Warming up and all, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Today it's kind of cloudy and cooler, but not too bad. It's okay. All right. Yeah. But yeah, hey, hey Roger, do you want do you want to meet up today or what? What's what's, what's happening? I'm trying to get some things done uh, right now as we speak, and I'm, uh, it's gonna be a little bit it's gonna be a little bit like uh, up in the air. But if I can get get a few things done, I might I might be able to pull it off. And do you, 
if we meet if we meet up, is, are you open to meeting up like at, at a at a neutral neutral place and we can go yeah. from there? Yeah, yeah, maybe 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 we can go to Bel Air Church or something. Could be, could be. Yeah, I got a lot of cleaning up for the nice spring cleaning, and then where I, where I stay, they want to they're going through boxes and bags and so, you know all, all kind of stuff going on here. Last couple of days, and then even today too. Uh, today's a little bit more not as bad as the last couple of days, but it's still stuff I gotta do. Um, okay, Google. To, to get, you know. I will. I'll. Um, t- I'll, t- I'll t- Huh? I'll, I'll talk to you later, man. I'm, I'm gonna finish this t- talk to my grandpa, and then uh, and then I'll maybe call you up later. That's cool. Okay. Argument. Yeah, we'll talk. Argu- okay, Please. man. Okay. Bye. <clears throat> All right, we're gonna. Have a- By divine inspiration, and the Turks say that their word of God, the Quran, was brought by an angel from heaven. Each of those churches accuse the other of unbelief. And for my own part, I disbelieve them all. As it is necessary to affix right ideas to words, I will, before I proceed further into the subject, offer some other observations on the word revelation. Revelation, when applied to religion, means something communicated immediately from God to man. No one will deny or dispute the power of the Almighty to make such a communication if he pleases. But admitting, for the sake of a case, that something has been revealed to a certain person, and not revealed to any other person, it is revelation to that person only. When he tells it to a second person, a second to a third, a third to a fourth, and so on, it ceases to be a revelation to all those persons. It is revelation... It does? Yes, revelation only to those to whom it's revealed. Everything else is... Representation of a revelation. It's a report. Yeah, yeah, doesn't. Even even the report itself is kind of a representation. Perhaps you would say, right? It does. Yeah. I mean, of that, course. That, that's why Plato didn't like art or painting because he said that painting was a was a representation of reality, which itself is a representation. So he says paintings are representation of a representation. Any thoughts? Well. But you see, it can evoke a revelation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it, if it, it's you know, well done, it's, it's if, symbol- it points, if it points beyond itself. Yeah, and also the thing is, like, you know, you talk about like Mozart. You know, you, you like that because it, it pointed to like, you know, the, the the transcending of the mind, the the harmony of it points to the music of the spheres or whatever. But then there's also the idea though that even if I'm listening to. Uh, uh, Shostakovich and it's very dissonant and very disharmonious it can still point me to something maybe the postmodern mind maybe the idea that through you know chaos there's also order there still is is the even even through the craziness there still is the quadrant you know any thoughts no the only thought is his name is pronounced Shostakovich okay yeah Shostakovich whatever but any thoughts then to the first person only and hearsay to every other and consequently they are not obliged to believe it it is a contradiction in terms and ideas to call anything a revelation that comes to us at second hand either verbally or in writing revelation is necessarily limited to the first communication after this it is only an account of something which that person says was a revelation made to him and though he may find himself obliged to believe it, it cannot be incumbent on me to believe it in the same manner, for it was not a revelation made to me, and I have only his word for it that it was made to him. When Moses told the children of Israel that he received the two tablets of the commandments from the hands of God, they were not obliged to believe him, because they had no other authority for it than his telling them so. And I have no other authority for it than some historian telling me so. The commandments carry no internal evidence of divinity with them. They contain some good moral precepts, such as any man qualified to be a lawgiver or legislator could produce himself without having recourse to supernatural intervention. Note, it is, however, necessary to accept the declaration which says that God visits the sins of the fathers upon the children. It is... It does? 
Age of Reason by Thomas Paine. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. When I am told that the Quran was written in heaven and brought to Muhammad by an angel, the account comes too near the same kind of hearsay evidence and second-hand authority as the former. I did not see the angel myself, and therefore I have a right not to believe it. When also I am told that a woman called the Virgin Mary said or gave out that she was with child without any cohabitation with a man, and that her betrothed husband, Joseph, said that an angel told him so, I have a right to believe them or not. Such a circumstance required a much stronger evidence than their bare word for it. But we have not even this, for neither Joseph nor Mary wrote any such matter themselves. It is only reported by others that they said so. It is hearsay upon hearsay, and I do not choose to rest my belief upon such evidence. It is, however... Hey, guys. No. But again, and then I'll just say like it's hearsay upon hearsay, but then another person could say, it's not even hearsay upon hearsay, it's just a story that somebody invented. You know, like, La Lazarus was just, uh, you know, an, an adoption from the Egyptian mythology of a god named Lazarai or whatever, and Mary is an, an adoption of, you know, any thoughts? I mean, there's people who argue that, and they make a very good case of that, you know. But but at the same time, though, somebody else can say, "Well, no, this is this is what the fundamentalists say." They say, "No, that Egyptian story was a counterfeit, and that was made by the demons to fake people to think that the story of Jesus was was borrowed from that." You know, any thoughts? Well, again, I see it as a manifestation of the quality of our eyes to see. I, I, I just looked up a, a paragraph in which I attempted to articulate everything is arranged in formations that are accessible and enjoyable to those people with eyes to see things only as objects that are separate, solid, and stationary. Or it's also in formations that people with eyes to see them as separate, solid, but moving objects. It's like that passage in the Bible where Jesus healed the blind man. He, say, he says, I see people as trees walking. He sees them as solid and separate, but moving. Or some have eyes to see as separate, but not solid and movable objects. Or some people see things as not separate, nor solid, nor stationary, but as a dance or a ballet. So regardless of the quality of our eyes to see, we are able to enjoy the one great idea. Yeah. Yeah, so you would say that, that that's a transpersonal, that there is no thing, and that's ultimately, you know, and then, then you can get to the insight consciousness where you get revelations because it's not, you're transcending your ego body. Any thoughts? If you have eyes to see that, yes. So, so but this, this is what I'm going to get, though, is that also... I would go so far as to say that the that you know you you your idea might be grasping onto idea that there's no thing but contradictions are good. There is no thing, but there also is things. And see, it, huh? I don't see that as a, I don't see that as a con contradiction. Both are true. They're not contradicting. They're both and, and, are true and, to the, those who have eyes to see yeah, them as such. Even even the idea of energy formations that could just be a complete metaphor, and there is no energy. I didn't. See I didn't say energy formations. Or just, just formations. I don't know. But, but what I'm getting at is, is that it, that could become... Okay. There, everything is arranged in patterns. How's that? I don't know. Even that could be a metaphor. But all I'm getting at... Because, because again, that's still based off sense perception. All I'm, all I'm getting... I'm getting really deep into this. But all I'm saying is that that could become smug. And like, okay, I got it. And then, But then at the same time, maybe it's possible... That the Egyptian mythology literally happened, and also the Jesus story literally happened, and that you know how could that be? It's crazy, but but or maybe maybe neither of them happened. Maybe both happened. Maybe maybe they're both metaphors, pointing to a metaphorical truth, and. And maybe they didn't, the Jesus story wasn't borrowed from it, but maybe they both got it from the archetypal matrix, uh, you know, the archetypal uh, 
you know, psychoid subconscious that, that Jung talked about. It's possible. Maybe yeah, it's, maybe it's yeah, just a, if you have eyes to, if you have eyes to see that. You know, maybe maybe it's just, maybe it's just a quadrant expressing itself in and, and, and it's just like a, a ballet of, of the quadrant meaning ma- matrix or something. Like, any thoughts? Yeah. But yeah, but that you know, but but I, but I like your idea, the transpersonal idea. I, I like I like to get your input. I like to get that perspective. But at the same time, I want to also you know emphasize that I like the idea of contradictions. You know. Because because that that can really break you free of conventional consciousness. When you start to put 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 a oppositions together in binaries, and see what comes about, and I think that's what the quadrant's about. The quadrant is about two perpendicular lines coming together. That's two binaries. Any thoughts? still some fashion and repute in the world, and that mythology had prepared the people for the belief of such a story. Almost all the extraordinary men that lived under the heathen mythology were reputed to be the sons of some of their gods. It was not a new thing at that time to believe a man to have been celestially begotten. The intercourse of gods with women was then a matter of familiar opinion. Their Jupiter, according to their accounts... He does it. No. Yeah, so you know, you know, the historian, the scholar is going to look at it and he's going to say, yeah, you know, Christianity just was kind of an amalgamation of Jewish beliefs, but they borrowed from the pagans. But then also people, people say, no, the pagans borrowed from the Jewish beliefs. But then you, if you look at the Jewish Bible, it, they talk about Elohim, they talk about gods. There, there might be no difference between them. You know, any thoughts? No. But you know, they'll say like, oh yeah, the Jesus story was just kind of like mystery religions taken or they could look at the genetic Darwinian perspective maybe it was just a trick the it was to convert the Romans so that the Jews could defeat them you know and and they kind of borrowed from the mystery religions or, or maybe it really happened and and maybe even the mystery religion maybe the, even the stories of mystery religions really happened any thoughts no or maybe maybe they really happened and they're pointing to a higher truth maybe they're just pointing to a higher truth Maybe all of them together, because the past and the truth is something that is a construct of the mind, which is also creating reality, which also is reality, and reality is creating it, and there's just some sort of spiral of matrix going on. Any thoughts? Yeah, could be. Had cohabited with hundreds. The story, therefore, had nothing in it either new, wonderful, or obscene. It was comfortable to the opinions that then prevailed among the people called Gentiles, or mythologists. And it was those people only that believed it. The Jews, who had kept strictly to the belief of one God and no more, and who had always rejected the heathen mythology, never credited the story. It is curious to observe how the theory of what is called the Christian Church sprung out of the tale of the heathen mythology. A direct incorporation took place in the first instance by making the reputed founder to be celestially begotten. The trinity of gods that then followed was no... It doesn't? So, so what's interesting is that the common the common theory among the, the historicists is they say that... Who, who want to say that Jesus was myth, mythological and stuff is they say that he was invented by the Roman Empire in order to undermine the Jews. But, you know, I, I kind of turned that on its top and I said, no, it seems that it was actually a story about the destruction of the Roman Empire, allegorically, and the Exodus that nobody had seen before in my, that I know of. But, but yeah, so but their, their, their idea is that, and, and, and then they'll, but then they'll, but then the, the, another thing, any thoughts on that? No. Another thing that happens is, is people be like, okay, no, Easter. They'll be like, yeah, like Easter was just a pagan holiday, and, and and the Roman Church, you know, incorporated that, and they made it December twenty fifth because that was the state, of the the birth of Mithras or whatever, and it was a you know, and, and it was basically the the pagan cults. Christianity was the pagan cults trying to like incorporate Judaism, in, or or maybe you know the the Jew the Christianity did go about, but then they tried to kind of adopt it and adapt it to their own pagan things. And any thoughts on that? 
but then at the same time, it's like, yeah, again, we've seen like synthesis, antithesis, coalescing, which one is which. And according to Hegel, it's it's just the universe is God. Like, oh yeah, we we hadn't we didn't listen to the Hegel one yet, but 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 like 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 the, he's like you know the universe is like God, and it's it's God playing the history is God playing himself out, and these syntheses and antitheses is just the this this play of God coming to the ultimate revelation of being but it's all all of it is God like and and that's what's going on is we're, we're having like an, an, an uh, evolution of of the divine like any thoughts of that no could be other than a reduction of the former plurality which was about 20 or 30 thousand the statue of Mary succeeded the statue of Diana of Ephesus the deification of heroes changed into the canonization of saints. The mythologists had gods for everything. The Christian mythologists had saints for everything. The church became as crowded with one as the pantheon had been with the other, and Rome was the place of both. The Christian theory is little else than the idolatry of the ancient mythologists, accommodated to the purposes of power and revenue, and it yet remains to reason and philosophy to abolish the amphibious fraud. Nothing that is here said can apply, even with the most distant disrespect, to the real character of Jesus Christ. He was a virtuous and an amiable man. The morality that he preached and practiced was of the most benevolent kind, and though similar systems of morality had been preached by Confucius and by some of the Greek philosophers many years before, by the Quakers since, and by many good men in all ages, it has not been exceeded by any. Jesus Christ wrote no account of himself, of his birth, parentage, or anything else. Hey, Doc. No. Not a line of what is called the New Testament is of his <laughs> own writing. The history of him is altogether the work of other people. And as to the account given of his resurrection and ascension, it was the necessary counterpart to the story of his birth. His historians, having brought him into the world in a supernatural manner, were obliged to take him out again in the same manner, or the first part of the story must have fallen to the ground. The wretched contrivance with which this latter part is told exceeds everything that went before it. The first part, that of the miraculous conception, was not a thing that admitted of publicity, and therefore the tellers of this part of the story had this advantage, that though they might not be credited, they could not be detected. They could not be expected to prove it, because it was not one of those things that admitted of proof, and it was impossible that the person of whom it was told could prove it himself. But the resurrection of a dead person from the grave and his ascension through the air is a thing very different as to the evidence it admits of, to the invisible conception of a child in the womb. The resurrection and ascension, supposing them to have taken place, admitted of public and ocular demonstration, like that of the ascension of a balloon, or the sun at noonday, to all Jerusalem at least. A thing which everybody is required to believe requires that the proof and evidence of it should be equal to all and universal. And as the public visibility of this last related act was the only evidence that could give sanction to the former part, the whole of it falls to the ground, because that evidence never was given. Instead of this, a small number of persons, not more than eight or nine, are introduced as proxies for the whole world to say they saw it, and all the rest of the world are called upon to believe it. But it appears that Thomas did not believe the resurrection, and, as they say, would not believe without having ocular and manual demonstration himself. Hey, that? No. So, neither will I, and the reason is equally as good for me and for every other person as for Thomas. It is in vain to attempt to palliate or disguise this matter. The story, so far as relates to the supernatural part, has every mark of fraud and imposition stamped upon the face of it. Who were the authors of it is as impossible for us now to know, as it is for us to be assured that the books in which the account is related were written by the persons whose names they bear. The best surviving evidence we now have respecting this affair is the Jews. They are regularly descended from the people who lived in the times this resurrection and ascension is said to have happened. And, they say, it is not true. 
It has long appeared to me a strange inconsistency to cite the Jews as a proof of the truth of the story. It is just the same as if a man were to say, I will prove the truth of what I have told you by producing the people who say it is false. That such a person as Jesus Christ existed. Hey, Buzzer. No. Yeah, like, and the people, like, when I, what I try to argue is that the Jews, inv you know, it, it's, it's a possible theory that the Jews invented the story of Jesus in order to save themselves through Christianity, you know, because otherwise they would have been destroyed by the Roman Empire, but to save themselves because then the Roman Empire saved them because of Jesus. And, you know, but, the, but a lot of people think the opposite. They'll be like, no, the, the Christianity was very anti-Jewish, but it's not, though. And that's what I try to argue, you know. But then, but then people will be like, well, look, the Jews are still around and they still don't believe in Jesus. This is proof. But maybe it was just a trick, you know, it, that the Jews made so that they could stay around, you know? It's kind of like circular reasoning, but, but any thoughts on that? No, that's a, a logical cause and effect explanation. Yeah, but, but then I understand, too, I understand, too, that, that that could be limiting because I understand we're in the quadrant matrix, you know? And, and there is divine aspects going on. And maybe, you know, as you say, there's a transpersonal meanings behind the teachings and stuff. And, and maybe it wasn't just a trick. And, you know, so I'm, I, I can see it from all the different angles. And I can, uh, what's amazing is that all the different angles make sense. And that they can all, and that's the amazing thing about the matrix is the matrix allows for that. What an amazing system that it can do that. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, well, it's like the idea that we have eyes to see what we can see. And that's amazing that you, that the universe, that reality manifests in, in a way that we can see it as real regardless of the eyes with which we look. Mm. Yeah, does it? No. And that he was crucified, which was the mode of execution at that day, are historical relations strictly within the limits of probability. He preached most excellent morality and the equality of man. But he preached also against the corruptions and avarice of the Jewish priests. And this brought upon him the hatred and vengeance of the whole order of priesthood. The accusation which those priests brought against him was that of sedition and conspiracy against the Roman government, to which the Jews were then subject and tributary. And it is not improbable that the Roman government might have some secret apprehension of the effects of his doctrine, as well as the Jewish priests. Neither is it improbable that Jesus Christ had in contemplation the delivery of the Jewish nation from the bondage of the Romans. Between the two, however, this virtuous reformer and revolutionist lost his life. It is upon this plain narrative of facts, together with another case I am going to mention, that the Christian mythologists, calling themselves the Christian Church, have erected their fable, which, for absurdity and extravagance, is not exceeded by anything that is to be found in the mythology of the ancients. End of part one, section two. Hey, thus. But I, I pointed out that the, like the mythology of the ancients was actually about transcending, you know, the you know transcending the worship of Jupiter or worship of you know the the sky and worship of that stuff. Like you know, in the in the Trojan War it was about the you know sea god Poseidon fighting against Zeus, the sky god, and it's it's metaphorical. And, and I saw, and I point out the same thing with the Mahabharata when I started studying that. It was a metaphor. <coughs> Shiva, and you know, on the side of the demons, kind of like which would be Varuna. Interestingly, the sea god, like Poseidon and stuff. And but but you know the the kind of demon oriented, you know, Kali and stuff. And then verse Vishnu and 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 the sky god and and again and and so I was I was arguing it's about the transcendence of all that. So you know you could say you could say like okay yeah but Jesus. It's just a borrowing of that, but then at the same time, maybe not. Maybe Jesus' story is, is about you know, the the son of the, which I point out, the son of the sky or of uh, of the tetragrammaton, and his life completely parallels it, like the lives of the stories in Amhambarata, the the sons of the gods completely parallel parallel their fathers, right? Any thoughts? No. So I was like, but, but yeah, but but maybe it's it's also about a transcending of it, and and maybe the it's it's a transcendent myth about transcend, you know. As opposed to, you know, the first Mahabharata and stuff is about transcending all those gods, but this one's about, you know, but even, even interestingly, there's a, there's a Christian group that says that, you know, Jesus on the cross was about, you know, transcending the worship of God. Okay. God dies. So now transcend the worship, you know, any thoughts? Yeah. 
Well, that's the eyes with which they looked at that event. Yeah, yeah that's it. Or that myth, or whatever you want to call it, yeah. Every. Section 3 of The Age of Reason by Thomas Paine. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The ancient mythologists tell us that the race of giants made war against Jupiter, and that one of them threw a hundred rocks against him at one throw, that Jupiter defeated him with thunder and confined him afterward under Mount Etna, and that every time the giant turns himself, Mount Etna belches fire. It is here easy to see that the circumstance of the mountain, that of its being a volcano, suggested the idea of the fable, and that the fable is made to fit and wind itself up with that circumstance. The Christian mythologists tell us that their Satan made war against the Almighty, who defeated him and confined him afterward, not under a mountain, but in a pit. It is here easy to see that the first fable suggested the idea of the second, for the fable of Jupiter and the giants was told many hundred years before that of Satan. Thus far, the ancient and the Christian mythologists differ very little from each other, but the latter have contrived to carry the matter much farther. They have contrived to connect the fabulous part of the story of Jesus Christ with the fable originating from Mount Etna, and in order to make all the parts of the story tied together, they have taken to their aid the traditions of the Jews. For the Christian mythology is made up partly from the ancient mythology and partly from the Jewish traditions. The Christian mythologists, after having confined Satan in a pit, were obliged to let him out again, to bring on the sequel of the fable. He is then introduced into the Garden of Eden in the shape of a snake or a serpent, and in that shape he enters into familiar conversation with Eve, who is no way surprised to hear a snake talk. And the issue of this tete-a-tete is that he persuades her to eat an apple, and the eating of that apple damns all mankind. After giving Satan this triumph over the whole creation, one would have supposed that the church mythologists would have been kind enough to send him back again to the pit, or, if they had not done this, that they would have put a mountain upon him, for they say that their faith can remove a mountain, or have put him under a mountain, as the former mythologists have done, to prevent his getting again among the women, and doing more mischief. Instead of this, they leave him at large, without even obliging him to give his parole, the secret of which is that they could not do without him. And after being at the trouble of making him, they bribed him to stay. They promised him all the Jews, all the Turks by anticipation, nine-tenths of the world beside, and Mohammed into the bargain. After this, who can doubt the bountifulness of the Christian mythology? Having thus made an insurrection and a battle in heaven, in which none of the combatants could be either killed or wounded, put Satan into a pit, let him out again, giving him a triumph over the whole creation, damned all mankind by the eating of an apple, these Christian mythologists bring the two ends of their fable together. They represent this virtuous and amiable man, Jesus Christ, to be at once both God and man, and also the Son of God, celestially begotten on purpose to be sacrificed, because, they say, that Eve, in her longing, had eaten an apple. Putting aside everything that might excite laughter by its absurdity, or detestation by its profaneness, and confining ourselves merely to an examination of the parts, it is impossible to conceive a story more derogatory to the Almighty, more inconsistent with his wisdom, more contradictory to his power, than this story is. In order to make for it a fountain, it does. No. Foundation to rise upon. The inventors were under the necessity of giving to the being whom they call Satan a power equally as great, if not greater, than they attribute to the Almighty. They have not only given him the power of liberating himself from the pit after what they call his fall, but they have made that power increase afterwards to infinity. Before this fall, they represent him only as an angel of limited existence, as they represent the rest. After his fall, he becomes, by their account, omnipresent. He exists everywhere, and at the same time, he occupies the whole immensity of space. Not content with this deification of Satan, they represent him as defeating, by stratagem, 
the shape of an animal of the creation, all the power and wisdom of the Almighty. They represent him as having... He does. <clears throat> no. ...compelled the Almighty to the direct necessity either of surrendering the whole of the creation to the government and sovereignty of this Satan, or of capitulating for its redemption by coming down upon earth and exhibiting himself upon a cross in the shape of a man. Had the inventors of this story told it the contrary way, that is, had they represented the Almighty as compelling Satan to exhibit himself on a cross in the shape of a snake as a punishment for his new transgression, the story would have been less absurd, less contradictory. But instead of this, they make the transgressor triumph and the Almighty fall. That many good men have believed this strange fable and lived very good lives under that belief, for credulity is not a crime, is what I have no doubt of. In the first place, they were educated to believe it, and they would have believed anything else in the same manner. There are also many who have been so enthusiastically enraptured by what they conceived to be the infinite love of God to man in making a sacrifice of himself, that the vehemence of the idea has forbidden and deterred them from examining into the absurdity and profaneness of the story. The more unnatural anything is, the more it is capable of becoming the object of dismal admiration. But if objects for gratitude and admiration are... It does. <clears throat> Yeah, I always thought that the, you know, it was, I thought it was perhaps the reason why it was so fantastical and unnatural was because the people who wrote it were trying to tell you this isn't literal. You know what I mean? That's what I thought. But but he's saying that ironically, <clears throat> when it's so fantastical, it can become even greater worthy of admiration. And probably because people who, you know, they really start to believe it, they maybe they have to warp their minds a little bit. I don't know. Any thoughts? the same thought I've been repeating over and over again. We see it through the eyes with which we're capable of seeing it. But but then but then this is what I think though too. Like reality is a matrix, perhaps, you know. So I say don't judge. Because maybe the people who are looking at it fantastical, maybe they're closer to the truth. Maybe that's what it's about too. It's like I can believe something that's completely crazy. And, and, and but there's a higher aspiration behind that and what they're saying is I see beyond the veil of illusions of appearances and I'm open to the, of, to the idea of the fantastical and the absurd. You know, any thoughts? No. See, I have a metaphor. See, when an infant, the moment it's born and it's put to her mother's breast, the infant doesn't have the capacity to be aware of what's happening, but slowly it becomes aware of the mother's breast as an object. And then slowly becomes aware of the, mo of the mother and the breast as objects. So is the infant seeing reality? Absolutely. Seeing reality as an object. And that's the eyes with which the infant is capable of seeing reality. As stationary, solid, separate objects. And that's reality. And then what? Well, then slowly it begins to see, see the mother and see its surroundings in progressively more full spectrum of awareness. So are those different ways of seeing them contradictory? No, they're not contradicting. They're all the same. They're all seeing the same reality so, but, with but, different eyes. But the thing about that, that, and I think it could be true, but also the idea that makes you think of progress. And then he progresses to the truth that there is no thing. And, and yeah, you go, he goes beyond he goes beyond the predator-prey dependency on the mom, and then he goes to the next stage of ally-enemy, and then he goes to the next stage of cooperation, then he's at mutual participation, you know, he passes superior-inferior consciousness, and, and now he's at, you know, the flow consciousness, right? Okay, but then at the same time, 
I want to say, and, and they recognize that there is no thing. But then I want, I want there to be a flip, and I want there to be a spiral, and I want there to be a circle, and I want it to go back to things again. Because there is both things and no things. And neither and both and one at a time and all that. Any thoughts? Yeah, it's not a progress. It just it's just awakening. Any other thoughts? No. Our desire. Do they not present themselves every hour to our eyes? Do we not see a fair creation prepared to receive us the instant we are born? A world furnished to our hands that cost us nothing. Is it we that light up the sun, that pour down the rain and fill the earth with abundance? Whether we sleep or wake, the vast machinery of the universe still goes on. Are these things and the blessings they indicate in future nothing to us? Can our gross feelings be excited by no other subjects than tragedy and suicide? Or is the gloomy pride of man become so intolerable that nothing can flatter it but a sacrifice of the Creator? I know that this bold investigation will alarm many but it would be paying too great a compliment to their credulity to forbear it upon that account. The times and the subject demand it to be done. The suspicion that the theory of what they called the Christian church is fabulous is becoming very extensive in all countries, and it will be a consolation to men staggering under that suspicion and doubting what to believe and what to disbelieve to see the subject freely investigated. I therefore pass on to an examination of the books called Old and New Testament.
when Samsa ran off with the gateposts of Gaza, if he ever did so, and whether he did or not is nothing to us, or when he visited his Delilah, or caught his foxes, or did anything else, what has revelation to do with these things? If they were facts, he could tell them himself. His secretary, if he kept them, could write them, if they were worth either telling or writing. And if... Yes. No. They were fictions, revelation could not make them true. And whether true or not, we are neither the better nor the wiser for knowing them. When we contemplate the immensity of that being who directs and governs the incomprehensible whole of which the utmost ken of human sight can discover but a part, we ought to feel shame at calling such paltry stories the word of God. As to the account of the creation with which the book of Genesis opens, it has all the appearance of being a tradition which the Israelites had among them before they came into Egypt. And after their departure from that country, they put it at the head of their history, without telling, as it is most probable, that they did not know how they came by it. The manner in which the account opens shows it to be traditionary. It begins abruptly. It is nobody that speaks. It is nobody that hears. It is addressed to nobody. It has neither first, second, or third person. It has every criterion of being a tradition. It has no voucher. Moses does not take it upon himself by introducing it with the formality that he uses on other occasions, such as that of saying, The Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Why it has been called the Mosaic account of the creation, I am at a loss to conceive. Moses, I believe, was too good a judge of such subjects to put his name to that account. He had been educated among the Egyptians, who were a people as well skilled in science, and particularly in astronomy, as any people of their day, and the silence and caution that Moses observes in not authenticating the account is a good negative evidence that he neither told it nor believed it. The case is that every nation of the people has been world-makers, and the Israelites had as much right to set up the trade of world-making as any of the rest. And as Moses was not an Israelite, he might not choose to contradict the tradition. The account, however, is harmless, and this is more than can be said for many other parts of the Bible. Whenever we read of the obscene stories, the voluptuous debaucheries, the cruel and torturous executions, the unrelenting vindictiveness with which more than half the Bible is filled, it would be more consistent that we called it the word of a demon than the word of God. It is a history of wickedness that has served to corrupt and brutalize men. It does. <clears throat> yeah, well, that's a good rational analysis. Mm. But, but what would you say? Well, you can't, you can't argue with that. You, you, you would probably say that it's pointing to a higher truth if you study deeply, you know, right? Right. And for my own part, I sincerely detest it, as I detest everything that is cruel. We scarcely meet with anything, a few phrases accepted, but what deserves either our abhorrence or our contempt, till we come to the miscellaneous parts of the Bible. In the anonymous publications, the Psalms and the Book of Job, more particularly in the latter, we find a great deal of elevated sentiment reverentially expressed of power and benignity of the Almighty. But they stand on no higher rank than many other compositions on similar subjects, as well before that time as since. The Proverbs, which are said to be songs, though most probably a collection, because they discover a knowledge of life, which his situation excluded him from knowing, are an instructive table of ethics. They are inferior in keenness to the Proverbs of the Spaniards, and not more wise and economical than those of the American Franklin. All the remaining parts of the Bible, generally known by the name of the Prophets, are the works of the Jewish poets and itinerant preachers, who mixed poetry, anecdote, and devotion together. And those works still retain the air and style of poetry, though in translation. Note, as there are many readers who do not see that a composition is poetry, unless it be in rhyme, it is for their information that I add this note. Poetry consists principally in two things, imagery and composition. The composition of poetry differs from that of prose 
short syllables together. Take a long syllable out of a line of poetry and put a short one in the room of it. Or put a long syllable where a short one should be, and that line will lose its poetical harmony. It will have an effect upon the line, like that of misplacing a note in a song. The imagery in those books, called the prophets, appertains altogether to poetry. It is fictitious and often extravagant, and not admissible in any other kind of writing than poetry. Oh, 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 oh. 